Hey Nissan, Taf Shin Pei, coming to you live from the home office of Ariel Tours in my apartment in Brooklyn, New York. I'm Mayor Weingarten. Welcome to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. The great Ariel Zilber opens things up here on this week's edition of The Israel Show. My name is Mayor Weingarten. Welcome in, welcome one and all to The Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. We're here each and every Monday immediately following J.M. in the A.M. 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Israel Time, whatever time, wherever you are, whatever, oh gosh, 
I say this every week. You would think I know it by now, right? Wherever you are, whatever time it is, that's the time we're on. Take a note so you'll know for the future. But, of course, we're also on On Demand. You can listen to us whenever you want via the archives on the Nachum Siegel Network app, which is available for free wherever um, wherever good apps are sold, on the iTunes Store and on the uh, Google Play Store for Android and iPhone, and on NachumSiegel.com. It's all there. Just go to the archives, click on the Israel Show, and you can uh, listen whenever you want to any one of the seven and a half years worth of uh, of programming. But you may want to tell your friends that they should listen to the latest edition, and hopefully they will enjoy and uh, and find it interesting and entertaining. So tell your friends. You know, uh, everybody's looking for new material now. We are all in the throes of this magefa. That's exactly what it is. It's a magefa epidemic in global proportions. We are all suffering, each one in his and her own way, with uh, the difficulties and the craziness that this brings. I hope this finds all of you well and healthy and safe indoors and following all the prescribed methods of staying well and keeping well and not spreading the virus. So we have um, going to have a long show today. We're going to go long. I don't know how long, but uh, the hour uh, right after our show as we are live on the air. We're live, I tell you. We are live. I know. Some people don't believe it, but it's true. Um, the hour after the show, which is usually Yoni Pollock and uh, After Further Review, which is a show about sports, but there ain't no sports. So we'll take up some of that time to um, to get, bring you a, a larger edition of the Israel show. We have more music and we have uh, lots of information. We'll tell you about why I believe that Israel is handling this situation much better than the United States. And I'm in the United States. I am totally connected to the news flow from Israel and to people in Israel who I speak to. And I've been following this for uh, from, from the outset. And it's amazing to me how. And I was curious how Israel's handling so much better. And the fact is that Israel has one of the lowest death rates from the uh, from the coronavirus. I was wondering why, and I think that I have an idea of why that may be. We'll tell you this crazy, amazing story. You think it's science fiction, but it's not. This story about how Israel is tracking, this is part of the idea of why they're doing better, how Israel is tracking the people that have tested positive and who they've been in touch with and where they've gone and possibly passed along the virus to somebody else who they were in touch with. And then they are contacting those people that were in touch with the positive person and saying, you've been in touch with somebody, you have to go into uh, a quarantine. It, it, it's amazing. It's uh, It appeared in uh, this past week, Yediot Achronot, it was a feature article by Ronen Bergman, the guy who's plugged into everything that has to do with the Mossad and the Shin Bet. It's just fa- fascinating. 
Um, and we will share with you an analysis, a real, a real lengthy analysis, if you will, of the uh, politics that took place over the last uh, two weeks or so in Israel. It's connected to the coronavirus, but it's really uh, an amazing story of a political genius whose name is Benjamin Netanyahu and how he maneuvered the situation and the realities that he is dealing with to bring about the what everybody thought was not going to be possible, that he will head for the first year and a half a unity government, um, it, which includes Benny Gantz. It's, it's a fascinating story, and at the end, towards the end of the show, we'll share with you a clip from a lecture that I heard online um, given by Rabbi Mark Penner. Uh, it really uh, just just like a very short, maybe two minutes of the end of it, which really uh, hit me very, uh, hit me like a ton of bricks, but hit me in a positive way, I should say. So we'll do all that. And we have lots of music. So stay tuned. You don't want to, you don't, you really don't want to miss. It's a great show. My name is Mayor Weingarten. You are tuned to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. Yehoram Gaon, oldie but goodie. Anachnu lo nafsik lashir. We are going to keep singing. Whatever the situation brings us to, we will continue to sing and be joyous and trust in the one above that we'll get out of this all well. Yoram Gaon and Achnulona Siklashir. המסים עוד יעלו, ובמוסקרה השערים ינעלו, והסוכר גם הוא עוד יעלה במחיר, אנחנו לא, אנחנו לא נפסיק לשיר, לא נפסיק לשיר, לא נפסיק לשיר, לא נפסיק לשיר. אם הבנזין מתל אביב עד רמת גן עולה לך כמו סוף שבוע ביפן ואם באו"ם אומרים תיסוק וגם תחזיר אנחנו לא, אנחנו לא נפסיק לשיר
לעשות, זוהי ארצנו היחידה, עוד יהיה טוב, ואין זו אין זו אגדה, ועוד נזכה לראות זריחה של יום בהיר, ומשום כך אנחנו ממשיכים לשיר, לא נפסיק לשיר, לא נפסיק לשיר. Yoram Gaon with an oldie but goodie. Lona Sikla Shir, we will not stop singing. My name is Mayor Weingarten. You're tuned to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. Thanks for joining us during these difficult times. Interesting news story. Machon Weizmann, the Weizmann Institute of Science in Rehovot announced that they are working on a device or on a technology that they believe will be ready in a week that will be able to do coronavirus testing for 20,000 people per day. 20,000 people per day. If that happens, that's like amazing. So much is coming out of Israel. There's also uh, another group whose name I don't have in front of me, I saw this uh, story earlier today, that is um, creating, building respirators, which, as uh, you are probably aware, are the major bottleneck in hospitals that they keep talking about. And um, this uh, group has come up with a reasonable... Oh, here it is. Okay. So Microsoft Research and Development Center in Israel, in collaboration with Israel's emergency services, Magenda Viradom, the Tel Aviv Medical Center, the Ichilov Hospital, and uh, the Israel Air Force, are working together on developing a low-cost ventilator that can be mass-produced in labs without the need of dedicated factories. This was announced this past Friday by Microsoft Israel. Ventilators have been proven to be a bottleneck in treating the more serious symptoms of the coronavirus, COVID-19, in many of the countries currently experiencing an outbreak. Critical patients can experience severe respiratory distress and mortality rates rise even further when ventilators are unavailable. According to the Israeli Ministry of Health, Israel currently has just 2,173 ventilators in stock, 28 of which are faulty. The ministry is currently making efforts to obtain new machines. So if this comes through, Microsoft Research and Development in Israel, together with all these other people that we mentioned, Magen David Adom, Israel Air Force, Ichilov Hospital, that they will be able to produce without dedicated factories, low-cost ventilators on a mass production basis, that, that will be amazing. So two great stories, two great stories coming out of Israel relating to everybody around the world that is suffering from the coronavirus. 
we hope that these things that look good and look promising are going to work. But one is the Weizmann Institute's ability to uh, uh, coming up with a some form of um, either device or combination device, software, hardware, and so forth to do 20,000 coronavirus uh, tests in a day, which will make such a huge difference because the more you know who has it and who doesn't, the easier this whole ordeal will be. And the second being the um, invention, if you will, of a um, an idea for building re- respirators in mass production without needing a dedicated hospital for that. So it's all amazing, and it's all coming out of Israel. And as many people have said before, if Israel comes up with a vaccine, or Israel comes up with, with one of these uh, great scientific breakthroughs, or or some breakthrough that will help the entire world deal with the coronavirus, it will put the BDS people, the boycott, divest, and sanction people who don't want to use any product out of Israel, it'll put them in a really interesting spot. Stay tuned. And um, I was thinking of music, and I said, this is a song that, you know, it's oldie but goodie, Toda by Chaim Moshe, goes back to the 80s, but it really expresses, I think, what many of us are feeling, if not all of us are feeling, we're thankful for what we have. We're thankful for what is God has given us. We know that ultimately what is terrifying us will go away and we'll go back, hopefully a changed people, but we'll go back to enjoying everything that God gives us and we enjoy it even now under these difficult circumstances. We always have to say toda for everything we have. This is Chaim Moshe. My name is Mayor Weingarten. You're tuned to The Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network.
That goes back. That goes back a long way. 1980s. Chaim Moshe. Toda. We are thankful. We are thankful even during these difficult times. We continue to be thankful in our tefillot. And all day long, we just have to keep saying, Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Each one of us has our pekala, and yet each one of us, as we know, is blessed. What a great value, Jewish value, Hakarat Hatov is. It's probably one of the very basic ideas in Judaism, thanking God, and as a result, being thankful for everything we have and thanking others for what they do for us. Always remember, always remember. So I posed the question at the beginning of the show, why is Israel doing a better job at handling this current worldwide crisis? Why are they doing a better job than the United States, at least in my mind? So I think that Israel comes from a totally different mindset. Israelis have a different psyche than Americans. Israel has emergency readiness, an emergency mindset. People in Israel have experienced wars. Go, let's go back, we can go back to Desert Storm. People in Israel lined up for gas masks. They walked around the entire day with gas masks. And then sirens went off and they ran to a sealed room and put their gas masks on and put uh, a, a wet towels under the door so that there shouldn't be any openings or cracks at the bottom of the door. They understood and it becomes part of you. When there's danger outside, I run to a safe place. In fact, as a result of that war and the experiences... Every Israeli apartment that has built, been built since then has to have a sealed room. It's a room that has a special door, very heavy metal door that can be locked like, like a vault. It is specially insulated. The windows are special kind of windows that can be properly closed so to seal out any possible gas from a gas attack. So people, it's called a mamad in Hebrew. That's a Rashi Tevot. But everybody, everybody in Israel knows about the mamad in the house. Every kid grows up with, oh, that's the mamad. So when you grow up with that idea that there are dangers, there is evil in the world. We're surrounded, Israel is surrounded by evil. And there is a safe place for me to go in my country, in my apartment, in my sealed room. When you've been through wars, like the, the last war in Lebanon, which is quite a while ago still, the entire northern part of Israel was being shelled. People were told to go into their shelters. And then the several wars that we've had on the Gaza front with Hamas. The southern half of Israel has been under sporadic rocket attacks from Gaza for years, well over a decade. And there's this nationwide alert system for the people in Israel, and especially the people in the southern half of Israel, when that alert goes off, they run. They have somewhere between 15 and 90 seconds, depending on where they are, how close they are to Gaza, to get to a shelter. And they run. And kids, the children who are traumatized by, by this experience, by these, ex- by, by these horrific middle-of-the-night, quick-grabbing, the mother grabbing the little babies, running into the mamad, or if you don't have a mamad running into the hallways or an area that's considered a protected area. Unfortunately, Israelis grow up 
It's in their blood. It's a part of their psyche. Danger outside, find shelter. And so they're used to following the uh, instructions, the safety instructions, whether it's from the Ministry of Defense or in this case the Ministry of Health, the Prime Minister, you want to be safe, do this. That's not to say that there's 100% uh, um, compliance on the part of Israelis. There isn't. But on the whole, it's a much better situation. In the United States, we're not used to being under attack, whether by a foreign enemy, a domestic enemy, or a natural enemy. Outside of 9-11 and a few other rare cases, America's residents are used to freedom. Go wherever I want, come wherever I want, doesn't make a difference. And even though those freedoms have been curtailed since 9-11, most Americans have not internalized this emergency mindset. Now, everyone will say, well, that's better. It's good. Yes, I guess on a regular basis it's good. But the truth is, if you think of life as a whole, there are a lot of evil forces that are at our door. Not always, but sometimes, and in this case, a natural force of evil, a virus, which is out our, at our door. And the people of Israel who suffer through very difficult times and, and threats from their neighbors are used to and understand the importance of going somewhere safe and following instructions. And I think as a result, I think that is the reason, or one of the reasons, Obviously, God protects everybody. God protects us. And uh, we know that uh, God has a special eye on the land of Israel. But that particular pasuk refers specifically to rain. And I'm not a rabbi and I'm not a theologian, so I'm not going to discuss the God aspect. I'm talking about the nat- in the natural course of, of events. Israel has kept their mortality rate down very low and uh, hopefully will continue to do so and uh, we wish everybody in the United States in Israel and around the world that they be safe and continue to follow the instructions of those who are uh, who are leading us and we'll do another musical break now on the subject of being thankful Al Kol Eila Naomi Shemer wrote Al Kol Eila many years ago Al Hadvash Al Haoket, it's become a a worldwide Jewish hit where Nomi Shemer tells us we have to thank God for everything. It's really a tefillah. This song is a prayer. We ask God to watch over us, both the bitter and the sweet, both the sting of the bee and the honey from the bee. Everything, Shmornali Eli Hatov, please watch over us. The words are just amazing. They're beautiful. Listen to them if you understand Hebrew. The video that this audio is coming from was from Kululam with uh, close, I think, to 20,000 people singing together with Shlomi Shabbat, Al-Kol Eile, mass prayer, took place uh, before the 70th anniversary of the State of Israel. Watch the video. We will post the link to the video on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash The Israel Show. Do yourself a favor if you haven't seen it. You want to be inspired. You want to be uplifted. Watch this video at some point during the day and it will bring you to greater heights and greater 
appreciation of everything we have. Nomi Shemer's Al-Kolela, done by 17,000 Israelis at the Menorah um, Miftachim Basketball Stadium with Kulula. My name is Mayor Weingarten. You're tuned to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network.
Israeli classics that are just as fresh today as they were when they came out. Al Kolele, Nomi Shimmer's classic, and Uf Gozal, Miki Gavrielov, sings that song made very, very famous by Arik Einstein. My name is Mayor Weingarten. You're tuned to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. I said in the opening that... Um, this uh, article that was published in Yediyora Chronot by Ronen Bergman, who is uh, the number one reporter, who uh, uh, journalist, I should say, who was plugged into Israeli intelligence, written uh, a really detailed book about the Mossad and about targeted killings called Hashkem Lehorgo from the phrase he published a lengthy article I'm just going to give you really just the, the tip of the iceberg if you will turns out that the Shin Bet Israel's internal security Sheud Pitachon has <clears throat> some has the ability I don't know how he says it's not through your cell phone has the ability to track you and you, and you, to track everybody in Israel, where they've been, who they've spoken to, what store they might have walked into, when they did this. He calls it a huge secret database that collects information about every citizen of Israel, where you were, who you spoke to, when you did all this, what time? Now, according to him, it's called hakli in general terms. They call it the utensil, the whatever. It's like you would say, it's, you know, it's the unit. And it was created 
and is used almost exclusively to track terrorism and terrorists and save countless lives. He says it has saved countless lives by allowing Israel to know where the suspected terrorists are at any time. Now this is, it's a passive, he says, it's a passive database, meaning it's not that somebody's sitting there and watching everything. It's storing the information and then somebody has to ask permission to check the database for information about person X. This is why I have to check person X, because I believe he's a terrorist and he's endangering Jewish lives or Israeli lives. And um, now I go and take the information out of the database. According to the Shin Bet, it is really only used except for the rarest of occasions where, again, human life is at stake to track terrorists. This, the coronavirus crisis, is one of those exceptions. The shocking part is that Prime Minister Netanyahu got up and announced that Israel has this technology. It's, it's questionable whether the Mossad was happy about that or not. But Prime Minister wanted to make it clear that if you don't follow the rules, we know who you are, and we know where you are, and we know who you spoke to and when. It really sounds like science fiction. It's scary. And in order to use this technology to stem the coronavirus outbreak, the state of Israel, well, the government, I should say, of Israel, turned to the highest judicial people who um, make these decisions to get their okay. And they got it. And it's being used. And in fact, people in Israel have received, and maybe somebody that's listening now has received, notification on their, on their cell phone, a text message saying, you have been in contact with somebody who has tested positive for the coronavirus you need to be in quarantine. Oh my God, if I would get that kind of message, it would freak me out. But better freaked out and alive, right? And Ronan Bergman, in his article, points out, it's really an investigative journalist, journalism piece, points out that there have been other situations in which some government agency or, or, or a group has asked to use this tool that the Shinbet has for different purposes. All of them were good purposes, but you know how it is. Once you open, you know, it's the slippery slope. Once you open the gate just a bit, once you start down that slope, who knows where it ends. So the Shinbet has been extremely zealous in protecting and guarding the use to be strictly for terrorism and for saving lives. But this is one of those cases where many lives are at stake. And so it's being used. The future is here. The future is now. And, uh, and again, he makes a point in this article to say the tracking is not done through your phone. Because many people in Israel, by the way, they don't have uh, smartphones. They have maybe a flip phone or older people don't have any phone. doesn't matter. It doesn't need to be through your phone. That's crazy. It's crazy amazing. Musical break, and then we get to the political analysis of what happened over the last week 
in Israel and what I call the genius of um, the politician Benjamin Netanyahu and what he was able to accomplish. Before that, we're going to go to uh, two songs, both of which were uh, released specifically under the circumstances of um, the quarantine in Israel, the general quarantine and so forth. The first is a remake of a Pugi classic, Medinak Tana. We're a small country. It's a small, small place. And I uh, just want to share with you some of the words. They're very cute. They're typical Donny Sanderson kind of um, plays on words, double entendres, whatever. And um, he says, Medinak Tana mitchameket mitzara. This is a country, a small country that somehow always gets out of some tsara or other, some difficulty or other. Etaktovet lotim tsa. You, you won't find the address because we don't want people to know where it is. Hishmura betoch kufsa. The address is, is sealed in a, in a, uh, and, and, and watched over in a, in a box. And here is, is beolam kol kach kashe in such a difficult world. Lehit labet. Lehit balet. Zeloyafe. Don't stand out in such a difficult world. Don't call attention to yourself. Nitchabekan. We will hide out here. Vilanetzach. Lonetzen will never go out. And how those words hit home right now when we are all Nitchabekan Vilanetzach Lonetze. Danny Sanderson got together a whole bunch of um, artists and on a Zoom they um, got together. Then each one in their own home had a small mini studio where they recorded their vocals together via the Zoom and then it was put together and released to the public. It's called Medinak Tana Behezger, our small country in quarantine. Sounds very much like the original, but it's not exactly so. And again, here's a great example of you gotta see the video. So I I suggest that you see the video. We will post it on our Facebook page as we will videos of all the songs we've played today. Uh, Facebook.com slash The Israel Show. My name is Mayor Weingarten. Oh, oh, wait, wait, wait. And then there's a second song we're going to play. Hanan Ben-Ari wrote this. And the, again, the clip, the video clip is amazing. You should watch it. Um, it shows Israel empty streets, empty streets, um, as uh, it should be under quarantine. It's called Gagu'im Livnei Adam, Yearnings and Pining for Other People. Beautiful, beautiful song. So there's some beautiful points of light that come out through the darkness, so many of them. Here's another, before I get, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a little detour before I get to the music. Here's another one. 2,800 students post-high school, pre-army. They're in a pre-army michina, a study program. They volunteered over the last few days in Magen David Adom in giving out, distributing food packages, delivering for older people who couldn't get to the store, and medication, and babysitting for people that are in the healthcare on the front lines, healthcare professionals, they're babysitting for their kids, and more and more and more, including going down to the south, to the Otef Aza, those um, towns, Moshavim, that are along the Gaza border, who now are picking 
oranges and whatever is uh, what, whatever season it is now, in this case it's particularly oranges and citrus fruit, they're picking them because uh, it's difficult for people to leave their home and their kids, the people that would usually do it, and the um, so these young men and women, 2,800 of them, over just over the last few days, I'm sure the number will grow, have devoted themselves and have volunteered to do this. It's just, there, there's many points of light that we should always uh, see through the difficult and the darkness and the death that we're experiencing. My name is Mayor Weingarten. You are tuned to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. Okay, chavrim.
כבר חשבנו, ניצחנו הכל. מגדלים בשמיים בנינו. בן אדם, מי צריך בן אדם? לא יבוא עוד מבול בימינו. לעולם, לעולם לא ניפול. תעזוב, נסתדר בעצמנו. חכמים, נכונים וצודקים. כלום לא נמצא מעלינו עד שבאת והדבקת ושיגעת והזכרת ובלבלת והבהלת מיד. איך החזרת את השפיות געגועים לבני אדם פתאום שורף את הבדידות כבר לא תשים מפה לשם. כל הפארקים נעולים, חתונות כמעט בלי איש. כמעט איבדנו את עצמנו, כמעט הפסקנו להרגיש. עוד מעט זה הכל ייגמר, ואני מבקש אם אפשר. שבע בוקר אחרי שתלכי, לא נהיה שוב אותו הדבר. חנן בן ארי, at the end the words say, let us hope that after this will be over, we won't be the same. Let us hope that if we have to go through this difficult, torturous period, fatal in many cases, that we not come out of it the same as we went in, that we grow, that we appreciate what we have, and that we know that there's nothing we can do about it, but we can do everything about our reaction to it and our activities as a result of it. As Rabbi Soloveitchik taught many, many decades ago, and it was echoed by Rabbi Haskell Lukstein in a, in a Zoom broadcast a few weeks ago, There's evil in the world. There's evil amongst people. There's evil in nature. That's the way the world is created. We don't understand why, and it's not our job to understand why. Our job is just to know that it exists and that we need to react properly when it hits us. And how we react is how we are judged. With kindness to others, with increased understanding to one another and help to one another with increased kiyum of the mitzvot that God expects of us and understanding the ladder of priorities in God's commandments v'chai bahem v'lo sh'yamut bahem let's not be the same when it's over what a prayer in sharp contrast we're going to give you an analysis of what happened in Israel since the election and especially over the last week So, here we go. On March the 3rd, the day after the third election cycle within 12 months, Israel found itself yet again in a stalemate. Remember, we've spoken about this numerous times, that in order to form a government, to have the ability to govern, a Knesset member must have the support of a majority of the Knesset, 61 votes. Now, during these three election cycles, Israelis were to choose mainly bef- between two options, pro-BB and no-BB. 
The pro-BB camp, often called center-right, includes a group of parties, mainly the Likud, that's the big party, Shas, United Torah Jury, UTJ, which I think uh, growing up we knew as the Aguda, Yemina, which we used to call the Bayit Yehudim, before that the Maftal. That's the religious parties, the Haredi parties, and the Likud. The anyone but BB group, <laughs> often referred to as center-left, include this new party called Kaholavan, blue and white, led by three former chiefs of staff of the Israeli, Israel army and by Yair Lapid, who's the head of the Yeshatid party. A Victor Lieberman's party called Israel Beitenu that ran on a very anti-religious platform and the third piece in this coalition is the former Labour Party, Avodah, the party that ruled the country until 1977, from 48 to 77. There was only one party that, that was in power. Today, it's, it's, a, it's nothing. I mean, it'll disappear probably in the next election. They joined with Meretz, the far-left party, and Gesher, which was a small faction led by Orly Levy Abukasistis, the daughter of David Levy, who's really a right-winger, who somehow, uh, but she has a, 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 an agenda of, uh, a, a social agenda that she didn't find she could, uh, that she could promote under Bibi, so she decided to try her hand with uh, the left. Now, after counting the votes, which is a three- or four-day process that left everyone at the edge of their seats, the election results were the center-left parties have 47 of the 120 votes. The center-right parties, led by Netanyahu, have 58 of the 120 Knesset votes. Seems like a no-brainer. Aha, but there's a catch. There's one party that we didn't mention in this entire scenario. It's neither center-right nor center-left. It's the Joint Arab List. It's a coalition of four Arab parties which include radical Arab elements that support Hamas, support terrorists, and advocate for the dismantling of Israel as the national homeland of the Jewish people. Now, that's not all the Arab factions. That's one of the Arab factions. But they are all together in this one party and the three that are not as radical will not disavow the one that is. So this joint Arab list gets 15 seats in the Knesset. That really shows you the potential power of the Arab bloc in the state of Israel. 15 seats in the Knesset. Coming out of this election, they were the third largest party in Israel. That should tell us something about how we have to deal with the Arab parties in the future. We can't just ignore them as if, you know, they're just going to be set aside. But that's a discussion for another time. So remember, we have two main groups. Center-right has 58, center-left has 47. The easiest mathematical way out of this is to have the center-left make a deal with the joint Arab list. So you have 47 plus 15, that would bring you to 62, a majority with one vote to spare. That's one option. Another mathematical solution. The two largest parties, the Likud from center-right and Kaholavan from center-left, both move a bit to the center-center. 
and create what is known as a unity government. It's not unheard of. It's been there before. The basic concept is that the government agencies and cabinet positions and all the power and so forth is split between the two parties, usually a time of crisis or a stalemate that can't be broken any other way. But who's going to head this government? That's always the question. Me Baroche. So the answer is they both do on a rotating basis. One is prime minister for two years and the other is prime minister for two years. But wait, 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 wait. They both want to go first because two years down the road, you're getting a promissory note of being prime minister in two years from now. The world can flip over 10 times. We see, we see how our world flipped over in two weeks. Two years? So everybody wants to go first. In this case, BB said, it's only if I go first, because in two years from now, he's going to be in trial, because his trial will start at some point, not, not long from now, he was saved, so to speak, by corona. If not for the coronavirus, he would be sitting on trial right now as we speak. So, Kaholavan that made their main platform, no BB, anyone but BB now has to decide whether they will unite with Bibi. They swore, in fact, that there was their major selling point. They swore to the voters that they will never sit in a government headed by Bibi because he is currently being prosecuted by the state for crimes of bribery and breach of trust. They've said it a million times. We won't support, let alone join, a government headed by somebody under three counts of indictment they repeated over and over again. So, if Kaholavan's promise precludes option two, a unity government, we're back to option one. Get the 15 joint Arab list members to support you. Oh, there's a problem with that too. And we'll get to it after a musical break. We'll take a break for some, uh, some music, and then we'll get right back to where we left off as this saga played out in Israel, and we share it with you now. Here is Yardena Arazi with the classic Shiru Shir Amen. My name is Mayor Weingarten. You, yes, you, are tuned to the Israel Show. Oh my, on the Nachum Siegel Network.
We've been really dishing out the nostalgia section. Shiushir Amen Yardena Arazi also goes back many years. Uh, and as we mentioned, we'll post uh, links to the Facebook. Uh, we'll post link to the YouTube, to the YouTube videos of the songs that we're playing today on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash The Israel Show. Okay, so we are analyzing the situation, the political situation, and the genius of... Uh, Prime Minister Netanyahu and how we've reached the situation that we're in now, uh, which looks like, it's not over yet, it looks like there will be a government which will include Benny Gantz and part of Kaholavan. So we had this problem, right? Kaholavan has this problem. They made two major election promises. One, no government headed by Bibi. Two, they swore up and down, again and again, that they would not rely on the joint Arab list to build their majority of 61. Because anyone who knows math understood that they have to rely on the joint Arab list for a majority of 61. Anyone who understands anything about Israeli politics understood that. And that's why everybody who was thinking of voting for Benny Gantz's party, Kacholavan, had this very difficult feeling in their pit of their stomach. I want to get BB out, but if they're going to rely on Arabs that support terrorism, that want to dismantle the Jewish state, then that's crazy. And that's why they promised over and over again and again. No way, no way that we're going to even rely on their support, even if they don't join the government. So now, as you can tell, they said, we won't do this, we won't do that. They painted themselves into the proverbial box. What were they thinking? Well, here was their plan, I believe. All along, Blue and White's plan was to break their promise regarding the Arab Party. They were thinking to themselves, you know what? Let's cut a deal with them, with the Arab Party, in which they will get important positions in the Knesset committees, which they want, and budgets, which they very much want, in exchange for their 15 votes at the beginning of the process that we have in mind. So we really are only going to rely on them once or twice for a couple of votes. With that deal made, they now have a Knesset majority. So now they would begin phase two, which is getting rid of Netanyahu. How are they going to do that? Step one, elect a new Knesset speaker from within Kaholavan, which gives them now the control of the legislature. They have 62 votes. They can control the legislature. Step two, then, now that we have the speaker, pass a Knesset bill and act into law that a person under indictment cannot be prime minister. Oh, that's the get rid of Bibi law. And step three would be, therefore, as a result, to force Bibi to resign. The Likud will have to elect a new leader, and then Blue and White and Likud will join together in a unity government, and everyone will live happily ever after. It sounds like a plan from plan land. And now, as many good plans enter the unknown, enter coronavirus. All the best laid plans get thrown out the window. What happens as the result of the coronavirus? Netanyahu takes firm control of the situation. Most weekdays, he appears on television, on prime time. He's looking presidential, if you will. He's in control. Israel feels confident in his leadership. Even many people who voted against him feel confident in his leadership during these times. He knows this. Netanyahu knows this. And I believe he now comes up with his own plan. Play for time. Delay, 
delay, delay uh, election in the Knesset. Block the plan to replace the Knesset speaker. Hence, block the possibility of a law that would not allow a person under indictment to be prime minister. And three, create public pressure for Benny Gantz to join Netanyahu in a unity government that he, Netanyahu, leads for the first two years. It's a brilliant plan. And he knows that as a result of the plan, there'll be trickle-down things that he likes also. So he does all that. Due to the corona emergency and his leadership and public presence that has gotten a lot of support from the public, even those who don't like him, Netanyahu goes on a interview blitz, something he never does except a day or two before an election. He doesn't grant interviews. But no, now he granted remote interviews, meaning from his home or from, from his office or, or from wherever. He granted them to all the news shows. And who's not going to want to have an interview with the prime minister on their news show? But then he did even more. On Motzei Shabbat, he went into the studios. He did. He granted interviews another round in studio, one by one, unheard of. Now, his main message in these interviews wasn't political, God forbid. It was, we are saving lives. We are saving lives. This is what we need to impress upon the people of Israel. These are the instructions that you have to follow. Very passionate. And he was able to cut through much of the interviewer's ability to interrupt, as they always do, or throw unwanted questions at him. He's a master. He's a master at this. He would scowl and rebuke the interviewer. Lives are at stake. I got to get this message across. And you're interrupting me. Then... In every interview and in every nightly statement that he made to the, to the nation, he called upon Benny Gantz to join him. It's for the good of the people. Let bygones be bygones, says Netanyahu. Lives are at stake. It's a national crisis. Benny, the nation cries out. Stop the petty politics. It's irresponsible of of you to do this, blah, 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 you get the idea. In my mind, this is Netanyahu setting the trap for Benny Gantz. Netanyahu knows that Gantz is new to politics. He's a rookie. As the cliche goes, Netanyahu is such an experienced, sharp politician that he forgot what Benny Gantz hasn't even learned yet about politics. Netanyahu hopes that Gantz will fall into the trap he set, and Benny Gantz does not disappoint. So, you remember the plan. First of all, delay and block the plan to replace the Knesset speaker. Well, that job goes to Yuli Edelstein, the current speaker of the Knesset and ally of Bibi, member of the Likud party. Edelstein is an upstanding, respectable Knesset speaker, former prisoner of Zion, spent years in the Gulag in Russia for being a Zionist. He's well-versed in the politics of the Knesset. He won't let blue and white push him out of the speaker's seat. So he pulls out a little-known Knesset rule that says that when a new Knesset is elected, like we had now at the beginning of March, the speaker, the current speaker of the previous Knesset, remains in place until a new one is voted in. And Edelstein, playing for time, announces that he won't allow it to come to a vote. Stall, 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 stall. What's the blue and white response? And how does this 
saga continue. We'll uh, we'll continue with you after another musical uh, interlude, a Naomi Shimmer classic, Yehoram Gaon, right out of the nostalgia pile. My name is Mayor Weingarten. You are tuned to The Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. Naomi Shemer, two classics, Yoram Gon and Naomi Shemer. And the song is a classic. Odloa Havti Dai. Haven't loved you enough. The land of Israel is what it's about. And we continue from where we left off. Yuli Edelstein, Yoel is his real name. Yuli is his uh, well known moniker, um, nickname, I guess you would call it, said, I'm not bringing this to a vote the replacement of the, or the voting in of a new Knesset speaker. Stall, stall, stall. Kaholavan, blue and white, Gantz's party cries foul. Hey, it's illegal for the speaker to block the vote. And they are joined, of course, by the chorus of the left, who cry out, oh, it's the end of Israeli democracy. Something that they've been warning us for decades. Blue and white takes its case to the Supreme Court. Force the Knesset to have this vote to elect a new speaker. Now, this sets up a real constitutional crisis in a country that doesn't have a constitution, but still, 
Will the judiciary force the legislature to act in a certain way? Well, Israel has still an activist court, and they do just that. The lines between the powers are crossed. Maybe that's the real danger to Israel's democracy, I say, when the judiciary requires the legislature to do things that are not according to the law, because Edelstein has the ability to block the vote, and he is the Knesset Speaker until a new one is elected. Well, they give Edelstein until Wednesday to call the Knesset to session and have the members elect the Speaker. Edelstein's in a quandary. What is he going to do? Well, he waits till Wednesday, and then in a brilliant move announces that the Supreme Court has overstepped their bounds. I won't allow it, but I won't lend a hand to a civil war. I resign. First time ever in Israel's history a speaker resigns. Ah, but his resignation, as per Knesset rules, only takes effect in 48 hours, which is Friday. The Knesset is closed Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, the holy days of the three religions. And now there's even more chaos in Israel. The public's head is spinning. People are saying to themselves, can't these politicians just get together? The world is in a crisis. Gantz, Benny Gantz, the political novice, finally caves, agreeing to participate in a government led by Netanyahu because we're in a time of crisis and responsible leaders put aside politics and unite for the safety and security of the people of Israel. He fell right in. Netanyahu victory won. But there's more. Blue and White Party is itself a coalition, a collection of three different parties who joined together with basically one goal, get Netanyahu out. The leaders of the other two pieces that make up Kaholavan are Yair Lapid from the Yesh Atid Party and Moshe Bogi Yalon, former chief of staff and leader of a small faction called Telem. These two people served as ministers in previous Netanyahu governments. Lapid was minister of finance, Yalon was chief of state, uh, uh, was defense minister. Both were basically kicked out of office when it was expedient for Netanyahu to do so. They both hate Bibi. They don't believe a word he says. And unlike Gantz, they've been around the block many times. Now, I believe that if we were to peek into the inner workings of Kaholavan, Blue and White Party. During the past weeks, we would have seen a fractured party that can agree on the most basic of its platforms. Join Bibi or not. Let Bibi be the Prime Minister and we support him or not. The reality has changed. The world has changed. And if we join Bibi, do we agree that he's Prime Minister first or do we say we go first? Lapid and, and uh, Yalon are saying They'll violate everything we worked for. We'll never be able to face our public again. They'll never trust us if we violate both of our campaign promises. And politically, they are right. But Gantz had it. He had enough of the bickering. After the second election, now we are after the third, after the second, he refused a similar offer from BB because of his partners, and he still regrets it. He's not walking away from this offer, which includes the clause that he, Gantz, become prime minister in a year and a half. The result, surely anticipated by Netanyahu in the f- at the beginning of the whole process. The blue and white party crumbles like a black and white cookie. Lapid and Yalon, who know Bibi well, see Gantz falling into the trap, and they will not be a part of it.
Within minutes, the blue and white party is gone. As Amit Segal says, they were born in a minute and they're gone in a minute. Gantz and his faction enter negotiations for what is no longer a real unity government because two-thirds of his party are gone. They will go into the opposition. Yair Lapid will be the head of the opposition. And where does this leave Netanyahu's enemy, Avigdor Lieberman? The man who was kingmaker is now nothing, has no power at all. And the 15 seats of the joint Arab list, they have no power anymore either. They who were living the high life as the center of attention for these few weeks now go back to the sidelines. And Netanyahu, yet again, remains prime minister. It's brilliant. And I don't know if it'll work ultimately, but if it does, it is brilliant. And there you have it. (laughs) That's the way it is. Okay, we'll do a quick musical interlude and then we'll wrap up. Oops, sorry. And then we'll wrap up with um, a clip from Rabbi Mark Penner that I think is really fitting, really appropriate, inspiring for the difficult times that we're going through. One of my favorite lullabies, Hit Ragut. This is uh, this version, many versions. This version is done by Jane Bordeaux, one of the Israeli classics that we're playing today. My name is Mayor Weingarten. You are tuned to The Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network.
I just love it. Hitragut, <laughs> or Im Sham, that version by Jane Bordeaux, here on the Nachum Siegel Network. My name is Mayor Wangart, and you're tuned to the Israel Show. We're going to end off with some inspirational words taken from a uh, lecture by Rabbi Mark Penner. The name of the lecture is Why We Need Eliyahu at the Seder. Which we're, we're going to be playing two short clips. Both of them were edited for time. But we encourage you, I encourage you, to um, either find the link on our Facebook page where we post the links to the songs and we'll post a link to this lecture. Facebook.com slash The Israel Show. Take a look, have a listen, give us a like. Or just search YouTube for Why We Need Eliyahu at the Seder, Rabbi Mark Penner. And you'll find that it's not a long shear. It's it's a drusha, and it's about 28 minutes long, and it's very interesting. We're bringing you a clip from the end of it. Rabbi Mark Penner is the Rabbi Emeritus of the Young Israel of Holliswood. He's also Dean of uh, the Rabbi Yitzchak Elchanan Theological Seminary, better known as REITS, in general terms, the Smicha program slash, slash Bet Midrash of YU. I know it's not exactly accurate, but anyway, he's the dean of that, and we'll play that, and we'll end off after that with the song Shir Lamalot Classic of Yosef Karduner, and we're going to play the version from a live performance where Yosef Karduner is joined by Ari Goldwag, our good friend, both of Israel, and they uh, put out a beautiful version of the Shir Lamalot. Before that, before all that, I should say, we, uh, we want to say thank you. This has been a long show, and uh, hopefully those of you who have been with us throughout have found it interesting and enjoyable. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks for all your Facebook likes and comments. Thanks to the staff of the Nachum Siegel Network, and my very special thanks, as always, to Nachum Siegel. Coming up on the Nachum Siegel Network, about, um, about 10 minutes after we're going to be done, there'll be some streaming in between, but at the top of the hour... Novak Now with Jake Novak, and Jake discusses how we must put an expiration date on the coronavirus lockdown and how to do it with the most possible credibility. I'm telling you, this is a very, very interesting show. Every week, Jake Novak has a lot of information. He is smack in the middle of... uh, of the the news sites, and uh, he writes for one of them. So... um, Stay with us on the Nachum Siegel Network. After that, great Monday Music Marathon will continue. And so you uh, want to stay with us for all the great Nachum Siegel Network programming. And join again tomorrow. At 7 o'clock, JMDA, well, it starts at 6, and at 7, JMDAM is broadcast around the world by, uh, Mizra- by the World Mizrahi Organization as part of their learning Torah day via Zoom. So you can listen that way, you can listen whichever way you want. Until next Monday, immediately following Jamie and the Aim, this is Mayor Weingarten reminding you that nice guys do not finish last. They're just running in a different race. Stay indoors, stay safe. What's happened? over the last two weeks.
I can't go to Eretz Yisrael. I can't go. Even if Mashiach comes, I don't know what I'll do because of my business. What business? If we have a business, it's because we can do it from anywhere in the world. I can't go because I'm so connected to my community and my shul. What shul? I can't step foot in my shul right now. But I have to be near my yeshiva. My yeshiva is now accessible from anywhere in the world. I can't leave because I need to be near my family. Even if I'm here, I can't be near my family. I miss my grandchildren so much. I'm not able to be with them and hug them. There are no more excuses. Two weeks ago, if the news said that Mashiach had come, our first reaction would be, how am I going to move everything? And how am I going to disrupt my whole life to go? Our lives have been disrupted. If Mashiach came tomorrow, we would run out of our homes so fast. Terrence is wrong. One of the things we'll be asked when we get the Shemayim is to peacefully assure. A strange question. Did you want to go? Did you yearn for the times of Mashiach? Why do I have to yearn for it? I just need to go when the time comes. Because if I don't yearn for it, I'll miss the moment. Eliyahu doesn't knock on the door. He doesn't ring the doorbell. We have to open the door for him. These last two weeks has opened up our hearts to Eliyahu and his message to want more badly than we've ever wanted to go together to Eretz Yisrael, to daven together in the Beis HaMikdash. May we see it soon in our days.
Yeah.